Hello, I'm Bo Simmons, and this is In the Newsroom, a production in partnership with Studio Stillwater. And today I'm joined by city editor Michelle Charles and reporter Ashland Huffman. We're minus our news editor, Tanner Hollibar, usually with us. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the three of us. Just the three of us. Okay. It's kind of sad. I'm looking at Tanner's empty chair, (laughs) that empty corner. Tanner's done a lot of production work in the production page design uh progress it was a probably our biggest week one of our biggest weeks of the years i think we touched on it a little bit last week of just getting out um different magazines and really big special projects the kind of kind of stuff we go through which are um really big advertising sales initiatives so sure good for uh, we'll keep the lights on and that's gonna keep us going for a little while well, you know, when I first started, I, I was just like, what is this stuff? Why are we doing these things all the time? And then I figured out, oh, this is how I'm still employed. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. a I'm and, really and, behind yeah. these now. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's like so. go special projects. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, you know, it gives us, <laughs> and it does, it gives us a chance to, to go off beat a little bit, you know. It does. We, well. I, I say that, and you still touched on a lot of city issues in there. Ashlyn got to go offbeat a little bit more, maybe. Oh, she was right. way offbeat. Yeah. Was I? Was I? <laughs> you were. Right. I don't know. Is uh, pole dancing your beat normally? I mean, well. no. <laughs> but I did have crime stuff, yeah. so. Updated. <laughs> Who knows? Statistics. But, um, <laughs> okay. No, it is nice, because you can kind of look at things a little bit differently. I mean, I, I actually really enjoy when we do Stillwater Style Magazine. Uh, it's our quarterly lifestyle magazine. And it's just because you can do kind of that lighter, fluffier kind of thing. I had to really practice like coming up with what I felt was a magazine tone when I first started writing for Stillwater Style. And I was afraid that I was, you know, veering way too like a women's magazine kind of thing. Like, you, you know how when you first start writing and you think, oh, I'm going to sound like a real journalist. So you use all these terrible <laughs> journalism cliches because it's like what you've always seen in movies. And this is how you think reporters write. And I felt sort of like I was doing that the first magazine articles I did because, you know, I was like kind of aping whatever I'd seen in like Glamour or Marie Claire or something like that. But I've gotten to where I'm pretty comfortable with it and it's fun now. And I've taken ownership of the cocktail corner and you would think I'm a mixologist or at least a very heavy drinker and I'm actually neither, (laughs) but I do enjoy researching cocktails. I mean, I've done the same things with recipes or or fashion, right? Oh, I love it when Bo does a fashion story. (laughs) So cutting edge. Yes, very much so. It's an opportunity to step out of your normal persona and explore different things, I think. Well, we're we're trying to break uh, gender norms, right? Yes, yes. We can't keep just throwing fashion things to the women on staff. Well, you know, and actually when we first... When I first started, or early on, we had two guys who'd come out of sports who were on a couple of different beats, and they were intensely uncomfortable with fashion. (laughs) I mean, once you got past, like, you know, basketball shorts and snapbacks, they were, like, out. They didn't have any material in them. 
And they would come up with any excuse they could to avoid doing a fashion story. And I remember in a meeting, finally, I was just like, hey, guys, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm going to do fashion every time. And then Bo took it. And so he started kind of trading off. And he's done actually really well with it. (laughs) Anyway, so Uh, enough about special. It's it's one of these things, like, as a reporter, you sort of let people who know more than you lead the way on that. Sure. Right? Absolutely. It's it's okay to go into a story, sometimes almost ignorant of the subject, because then you ask the kind of questions a reader might ask. I agree with that. I mean, I think actually one of the one of the best things about this job, and I always tell people this, that I really, you know, I feel like I sort of stumbled into a career that rewards all my most annoying personality traits, first of all. <laughs> you know, that, that I'm never willing to just take just because as a proper answer. It's never enough. I always have a follow-up question. I always want to know, well, okay, but what about this? And also... It allows me, I basically get paid to learn about new things all the time. And I just think that is freaking awesome. I mean, that is amazing to me. It's the most fun thing ever. And it also becomes a way to assert yourself, right, in yeah. in usual confrontational kinds of situations where out in the real world we might back down from something, right? True. You kind of stay dogged and determined. A little bit. Yeah. People kind of feel more like they have to answer your questions right. or take your phone calls, which is kind of cool. If I were just, you know, Michelle Charles, nice middle-aged lady living in Stillwater, I don't think anyone would feel that way when I called them. And I, I think, I, I, I can't speak for everyone here, but I know most of us are kind of bashful in certain social situations, Ashley, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's different when you have a job to do, isn't it? You kind of put on your reporter hat and tell yourself you're going to get up into people's business, right? Don't <laughs> you much, don't you go yeah. to a scene and and you shove people around, right? Say, "Hey, this is my spot for taking photos." I mean, sometimes you have to <laughs> throw some throw elbows. An, you got to throw an elbow. <laughs> Chase people down with your camera, you know. You don't want to answer my questions, I'll photograph you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, really, though, it is. Because, I mean, if you were to invite me just to a party where I didn't know a lot of people, I'd be sitting in the corner petting the dog. Dude, same. I really would not be <laughs> the center of attention. It would be really weird for me. But when I become professional Michelle, if I'm like reporter Michelle, I can talk to anybody. I can ask any question. I can go anywhere. I will make myself do it. It's like she has, it's like this... Uh, alternate personality that has permission to do all these things that the real me is too afraid to do. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, so being a reporter is fun, guys. I mean, that's what we're getting at. It is It is actually deeply rewarding in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's, yeah you, you push yourself. You do things you normally wouldn't do. There could be some catharsis involved that you normally don't get in regular situations. But speaking of social things... Ashlyn just had a little piece on um, nursing homes and how they're sort of nursing homes, assisted living, other sort of facilities that were actually shut down, I think, to visitors maybe longer than anything else out there, right? COVID-19 was more problematic in a nursing home than just about anywhere else you can think of. 
at least one of our places decided they're going to celebrate the fact that they're going to let visitors back in. Um, and Ashlyn, I know you've, uh, you've been to a handful of these kinds of things uh, mm-hmm. with your family because they sort of work in those areas. Yeah. So what, what do you think it's like for these facilities now? I mean, what does it mean to them just to even have visitors or to, you know, to, when they don't have visitors, how, you know, how tough is that? Um, I think it's really exciting for them. This time last year, um, Stillwater Creek actually had a pandemic drive-by parade and they had snow cones and everybody was out in the, uh, next to the snow cone and social distance and everything. So it was nice, but they had signs and they were not able to actually talk to the people that were there. And on Saturday, they're getting to do hot dogs and music, ice cream, games with family and friends. So it's pretty exciting. And yeah, a lot of people are vaccinated now, right? Mm -hmm. That's another part. I can't remember the nursing home over on Western, kind of in that area. West Haven. West Haven. Yeah, they actually did a uh, pandemic walk and they were excited to um, the people that had COVID that were recovered were walking and they actually had to shut that down after we did the article because it wasn't safe anymore for them to do the walks. Well, even that, uh, and I think that came at a period when we had had our first extended shutdown, but if we remember we did that as a community and our numbers went really low and that was sort of before Oklahoma's real surge, right? That was before the, hospital surge but i do think you know early on it it was you know a few of these nursing homes um what uh what was the other some of the veteran centers a lot of those were sure you know there were a lot of issues and deaths there but well we were lucky i mean we were really lucky here in Payne county because we had a i mean we have a fair number of senior living facilities and the numbers stayed very low for a very long time I mean, our overall numbers, you know, in the county, as you guys remember, were, you know, I mean, we only had like 22 deaths through June, mm-hmm. you know, or what that was. Yeah, that was right. Right. What yeah. was the total cases? I think no, that that would have been mm-hmm. trying to think here. Well, I know I, I, it's, I can't been, remember it's now, all been but. so long. It's so many numbers now. Anyway, our numbers were very, very low. We can all agree on that. And I mean, compared to some other counties. Uh, For example, I always think of Washington County. I bring this up all the time because I remember at one point, you know, they had as many deaths as we'd had total reported cases. And it was because it got into the senior living centers that got into the nursing homes. And that's what we were very worried about early on. So a lot of our nursing homes did shut down to visitation. You know, they had uh, people were basically just living in their rooms. They weren't coming out and congregating anymore like Mm -hmm. they were. And of course, for, you know, seniors, that lack of social interaction can be really devastating. I mean, I'm sure there were a lot of people in basically failure to thrive situations almost. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of know. sadness because you can't see your family. Right. So. Right. So being able to open back up, I mean, that's hugely meaningful for a population that's not able to get out and about the way a lot of us are. I think that's a really big thing. But you're right, Bo. I mean, we we did that. They did that pretty early. Mm-hmm. And then we had our big surge right in the winter yeah yeah in the winter time so you know it's been a long time since these folks have had a lot of social contact i mean that's a happy story that's a great thing i mean and it's again a testament i think to the power of uh vaccinations and developing a certain degree of immunity right 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're super excited for this event. Well, Michelle, what's something um, you've worked on in the last week or so that, you know... You, you want to talk about Block 34? Yeah, we talk about Block 34. Uh, I was, yeah. I wasn't being coy. Oh, you weren't being coy? No, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to leave that uh, open, but yeah. Okay. You were going to let we me choose. That. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about Block 34. Okay. So Block 34, for anyone who does not know what Block 34 is, it's a one square block, a full city block in downtown Stillwater, basically right across from our office. We've been looking at it for many, many years that has been scraped of a couple of old buildings and now it's just a kind of a lovely pile of dirt with some patchy grass and some um, asphalt millings that were dumped there for some reason at one point. And it's really lumpy and it's kind of, I remember when we had a winter market there a couple of years ago and uh, you know, the, um, what was it called? Uh, the, the Christmas market over there with the igloos. Um, Mary Main Street. Mary Main Street. Yeah. We had Mary Main Street over there, but it was so dark over there that it really felt almost like dangerous to walk across the lot in order to get to the really cute igloos. And, you know, it, it's just been kind of a journey, hasn't it, with Block 34? Well, it really has, and it's gone through a lot of different progressions. Oh, yeah. A lot of plans that have come and gone. A lot of... Uh, pitches that have been made from different developers that have been turned down the first of which actually were presented in 2012 we're talking nine years folks nine years we've been fixing to do something about block 34 and the thing that brings it to us i think is sort of one of our priorities as a news org which Mm -hmm. is accountability yes because we've noticed that Nothing's happened over there for about a year. True. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think we saw like maybe an excavator out there around this time last year. And we got all excited. We said, hey, they're, <laughs> they're starting to do things. And that lasted a, a week or so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but the last thing, you know, the task force met, mm, they met in February and again in March and you know, they approved their minutes in that March meeting and they did not meet again. I don't think in April, mm. not, or the, the trust now they're the task force is now a trust. So, right. So we haven't had a trust meeting since March and council had already approved. I think the year before just to, just to level things out. That was, that was the, the right. one, the one thing that had been approved as far as something with any cost involved, right? Sure. I mean, there had been, I mean, this block had been, you know, there's public parking on part of it. And then there had been a, a lot that had an old uh, lumber yard on it at one point. And then there was a, a big Quonset hut type building that was a church at one point, and then it was sold to the county, and it became a county jail annex where they had overflow housing for for inmates, and that was transferred to the city of Stillwater. Anyway, there had been a couple of different things on it. They'd been separate parcels of property, is my point. Now it's all under city ownership, but it was still divided up by these alleyways and curbs and things like that. So they were going to come in and they were going to tear those out, and then um, basically level the ground and put down sod. If nothing else, just so we have a nice, pretty, clean 
level surface that people can enjoy for some kind of enjoy some kind of a community event on. That was the plan, just the basic starting. Um, and I got put off for a really long time. I mean, COVID kind of shut everything down. Although we did know that we felt that people probably could have worked in a socially distanced way outdoors on Block 34 during that period of time. I think really a lot of it was maybe manpower was a big issue for the city of Stillwater during the whole COVID thing because they had rotating crews. They had people who were out on quarantine at various times. So I think their staffing was a little bit low. And then I think there was that worry about the impact on city revenues, on sales tax revenue, and how that was all going to shake out financially. And they just kind of pushed a pause button on everything for a good long time. Now, uh, we've come through it. And, you know, actually, sales tax revenue didn't dip for very long. There were some pretty good dips right after the shutdown. Right. And then after that, everything rebounded pretty well, if nothing else. I mean, panic buying actually kind of helped support the sales tax revenue well, in town. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, yeah, the grocery stores yeah. were not hurt. No. Um, and we are now getting online sales tax remitted back, exactly. you know, back, you know, from the state to the city. All so. that Amazon shopping. Right, yeah. You know. So, I mean, everything's getting a little, it's opening up a little bit. It's getting a little bit more back to normal. So, you know, they're getting ready to start on Block 34 again, if nothing else. Just cleaning it up, just making it look a little bit better. So within the next couple of weeks, um, city manager Norman McNichol told me when I called him that uh, within the next few weeks, people should see dirt moving. Okay. Is, they will lay, They will level it out. They're going to put in irrigation and they're supposed be, to sod. Is that because you called him? Dude, are you going to take credit for that? I, I don't know if I can take credit for that. I feel like there was probably pressure building from other sources, <laughs> but they hadn't announced it well, yet. I, but I... But I do wonder because, like I said, this um, other public boards were allowed to meet. They um, were virtually, but the task force never did reconvene. No, they did not. And, they haven't met for about a yeah, year. And you've talked to a couple of task force members. Yes, who, uh, who didn't seem overly concerned, right? That they hadn't met in a while. So I, I think. They were, They've been in a, okay, the task force uh, or the, the trust, trust now. yes. I mean, basically, this is a group of folks who are, who have been tasked with coming up with a design for Block 34, a plan for Block 34, as it were, and then also finding the financing to build the improvements. And that's been a little bit of a challenge because they haven't really been given an amount by the city that the city is willing to pay in matching funds or anything like that. The whole idea is you find the funding as much funding as you can. And I, I suppose anyway, this is my conjecture, strictly my conjecture that if absolutely necessary, you know, the city of Stillwater might've, you know, might've then decided whether it would be able to pony up some cash in terms of matching. And certainly there's lots of in kind, right? They took down the overhead electric lines. Now they're going to do the dirt work. They're going to do irrigation. They're going to do sod. I think that's all on the city's dime. Yeah, so. we did. I think, yeah, we did leave that out that they moved all the electric. That was another right. in kind thing from the city. Yeah. Yeah. And they uh, installed those power bollards over there on the side where you can plug in food trucks and things like that. So they have done some work over time, but it's just not moving very quickly toward any kind of finish line. And I think one of the things I worry about when I see something like that is 
the longer a project goes unfinished, the more likely it is that someone's going to decide, hey, we need to change something on right. it. Because you yeah. get a turnover in city council, mm-hmm. you get a turnover in city administrators, you get a turnover, you know, just in the community. And all of a sudden people are like, why are we doing that when you're like halfway there? And then all of a sudden you have to change direction and you've wasted money. And it just feels like we've never gotten very far down the road on it. There is, um, you know, and there's always the question of, is there going to be private development included on the block? Because there is a f- the, the feeling that there needs to be something to attract people to block 34. Just a nice green lawn space is great. But does that really extend the perceived boundaries of downtown for people who are using it? If there are no amenities, no hospitality type things, a bar, a restaurant, a coffee shop, whatever on it. So, I mean, there's always been a plan to have at least on one corner, sort of a a market hall or a something that would provide uh, some sort of amenities. And I think, I think there's a little more discussion about that now, but I have no idea who the players are on it or if there's even a firm proposal. I think there's just maybe some interest. I think uh, another thing is it could potentially, if someone wanted to develop their, um, they could also perhaps work through the downtown TIF, right? I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah. it's included in the TIF boundaries. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be a very attractive place for someone to try to develop something. I mean, I'm going to say I personally would love to see a food hall in Stillwater. I think that would be so cool. Like one of those places, I always say it's like a fancy food court. But it's just a place where you have little locations where like a, a restaurant can come kind of a startup. Basically, you don't have to pay for a whole brick and mortar restaurant. You lease part of the space in the food hall and there's like a, this big common dining area. And so theoretically, you know, maybe you've got like a place that does. I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the places in Oklahoma City that do it. Maybe you've got a place that does like fancy waffles and then you got a place that does Thai food. Then you got a place that does barbecue. Right. And if your yeah. family all wanted different things, you can all go get different things. And you can sit down at the table in this cool place, have a nice craft beer, eat in the food hall. I think they're awesome. And I would love to see something like that in yeah, Stillwater. Yeah, been to a couple of those. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It gives, you know, gives somebody a chance to try out their things. If they're successful, they could maybe move into something else. Exactly. What it becomes you, like an incubator. What would you want to see there, Ashland? Because we never know what Ashland eats. No, because, no, we don't. Yeah. You know, Some... She's got dietary restrictions. I'm, I'm thinking shakes, smoothies, protein drinks. <laughs> yes, all of the above. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really like deep dish pizza, like in Chicago. Okay. Like I really love, I love pizza, but deep dish pizza is my favorite. So, but I also like Chinese food and Mexican food and sandwiches. So. Just not with beef on them, right? Okay. <laughs> nope. There we go. <laughs> I think a food court would be a cool idea, though. I really do. Yeah, I think it would be great. Because then you can have a whole variety of foods. Yes. And then, yes, I love it. It's kind of like the mall. Exactly, only nicer. Yeah. Only nicer. And then you can have like some live music and, like I said, a bar with some good craft beer. I'm all about the craft beer, you know. I bet that would bring in a lot of tourism. I think it'd be a cool place for people mm-hmm, to hang out. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. Have a nice patio that overlooks the green. See, I have a whole vision in my mind. Plant a garden and have like a pond or something. Like oh, a pretty there pond you go. with nice rocks. Fountain, yeah, a fountain. Those things, Some art. those things cost money. 
We know. We know. Uh, I will say that the Block 34 Trust, uh, Jim Beckstrom, who is one of the members of that, did tell me that they have actually gotten a um, a pledge of, of a good chunk of the funding it would take to build the outdoor performance stage. Oh, very cool. So that is cool because yeah. that was really going to be, you know, a big piece of it over there at the, what, the northwest corner, I believe. The other ideas were like bocce courts, things like that. And I know sometimes people are like, what, bocce? But bocce's fun. Just saying. Well, even so, even if for a start you had a big leveled off space with some nice grass um, and a stage, you have something. You have have something that, you know, allows for programming, you know. Exactly. Outdoor programming. This is when I start pushing for outdoor theater. This is when Stillwater's Shakespeare in the On the Green starts up and i'm gonna start pushing it yes i would love that we could be in it i'll I'll be the spear carrier i'll just be i'll just stand there (laughs) (laughs) the clock strikes i don't know i mean i'm i'm gonna be i was in theater when i was in high school theater nerds i I was actually okay guys here's a story i was actually a story patch player i did theater for children when i lived in fort worth like we were actually a theater troupe and we ran around and performed at public festivals and elementary schools and things like that. We had a grant through the uh, like the Texas Arts Foundation or whatever. And we went around to uh, perform for like underprivileged kids in different elementary schools and things. We did a lot of stuff that was like tall tales. We had a play that was um, based on the story of, oh God, what is a tall tale? The, the Texas guy. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He wrote a mountain lion. He roped a whirlwind. He, he roped a, a tornado. What is his name? Oh my gosh. I didn't think I would ever forget it. Anyway, in said play, I played a catfish, a giant catfish. And at one point I played a bear. <laughs> so. I hope someone hears this. And, <laughs> and can find video. Yeah, not that. And well, that, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that. Sure. Yeah. But. I hope someone hears it and then you two get recruited and you have to be in the first performance at whatever this is. Hey man, if they need a if they need a catfish, I'm I'm your girl. I'm kind of selfish on stage. I can't play background. I have to be in the in the front. So I saw uh, pictures of you. I was Facebook stalking you one day, deep Facebook yes. diving, and I, have I saw a lot your of stuff uh, on there. yeah, yeah, like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Did you play one of the sisters? Yeah, I played one of the ugly stepsisters, and it was so fun. <laughs> Just it's probably my mean? favorite. Um, yeah, I think I was the mean one actually. Yeah, but I've played a lot of different things. Um, I was in Cinderella. I've been in Tortoise and the Hare. I've been in a bunch of small one acts when I was in drama but I did a lot of supporting roles I didn't ever try out for the lead but I always tried out for supporting roles so and I always got it so tune in next week for a special edition of the studio Stillwater Players (laughs) 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 okay now when I first moved here I tried out for a town and gown production it was a um, production of Annie it was their summer musical and I I did not have anything prepared I didn't have a song prepared and I went in there and I was just like oh crap I have to sing I thought surely they have non-singing parts I could just walk on do something but everybody had to sing no audition and there was this uh, there were people who were of course they were musical theater people and they had this one woman she's like practically lounging on a piano doing this big thing 
something from like, you know, MAME or something. And I'm just like, I'm so in over my head. I have no idea what to do. So I, I got up there and I sang. It was it was rough. But I did it. And um, anyway, they called later on and they were to tell me I didn't get a part. And they were very kind, though, because my reading was good. It was just my singing that was not so good, right? So they, they strongly encouraged me. They said they really enjoyed my audition and that they really hoped that I would consider auditioning again in the future, perhaps for a non-musical production. <laughs> it was the kindest way I've ever been told not to sing in public ever again. That's kind of why I tried out for the ugly stepsister, because <laughs> you didn't have to sound like a choir person. Even though I was in choir, I didn't project my voice. I didn't like to sing in front of people. So as an ugly stepsister, I could sing as crazy and loud as I wanted, and it didn't matter if it sounded good or not. So Because you're not supposed to sound good. You're not good. supposed to sound good. And That's I spent hours does researching it, does the it ugly say, stepsister. Does it say ugly stepsister on the call sheet? or? Heck yeah, I did. You, okay. <laughs> yeah. Does that not hurt your feelings? No, that's just. I tried out for that part and I wanted it. I've researched it and I was like, okay, this is how they did it on Broadway. This is what they sounded like. I'm going to hit all of this. And I got it. There you go. I mean, it was kind of scary because, I mean, I tried out and then I panicked and I was like, piano, start over. (laughs) Get my stuff together. Let's do this again. From the top. This is Ashlyn, though. I mean, you know, she loves the research. She does the work. And then when the time comes, she does it. No matter how scared she is, that's Ashlyn. <laughs> and in a I'm nutshell. always scared <laughs> every okay. time. We all are. That's the secret. Everybody's scared all the time. And next week we're gonna hear one of your show tunes. No. Right? Okay. okay. Probably find a video though. Yeah. All right. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work on that. We'll be working on our duet. Well, okay, Michelle, you've talked a little bit. Yeah, uh, Block 34. Well, I mean, in the newsroom. I I think, unless you have something else to add. No, I'm done with Block 34. That's all there is to say about it right now. Yeah, you've you've talked a little bit about wanting to track down Marie Turner. Yes. um, To get there, just sort of, you know, a sort of like, you know, how's it going kind of thing yes uh marie turner state uh, self-described first capital, yeah. black queer muslim representative in oklahoma history they were born in uh, you know i mean like literally raised in oklahoma you know i think down around the anadarko area went to osu went to oklahoma state university um always has been very politically active and um got elected to the Oklahoma State House of Representatives, uh, representing District 88 in Oklahoma City, which is, I believe, probably one of the most diverse districts in the state, just in terms, across the board, basically, uh, ethnically, everything else. And Marie basically does a very, uh, is very dedicated to that. Campaign slogan was, nothing about us without us. And I think that's a really good point because a lot of times so much policy is made for people in a variety of uh, situations 
without any input from the people who are actually impacted by it. So that is very much uh, Marie Turner's uh, stance on it. And since getting elected to the House of Representatives, um, they have been very outspoken about the need for inclusion. And um, Maury tends to wear message t-shirts that deal with whatever the theme of the day is, whatever the bill is that uh, that is being considered. Uh, you know, just a little bit of a non-traditional approach, right? And has stood out, I believe, in the House of Representatives in a way that does not always make some of our more culturally conservative representatives comfortable. Early on, there was an issue where um, where Maury was standing and didn't have the hand over the heart, I believe, during the Pledge of Allegiance. And another House of Representatives member sat there and took photos and made like a, a tweeted it out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the funny thing was... Um, Maury doesn't really have a problem with, in spite of being a very quiet person in person uh, and, and coming across as very unassuming, will definitely stand up on principle and basically said, what are you doing saying that I'm being disrespectful when during the same pledge of allegiance, you have nothing better to do than take my photo and tweet? Right. And the, so, re- the reason this ended up in the news was because our state reporter, Janelle Steckline, yes. uh, covered the story about uh, one of the other one or two lawmakers right. who had tried to I is it a I don't censure? Know, challenge is it an them actual? on yeah, tried to challenge them on the dress code or something along those lines. And <laughs> I, this was one of these issues, yeah. Well it ties into I mean, okay, so the message T shirts are part of it. Uh uh Marie tends to wear overalls to I mean, uh has a pair of like tan Carhartt type work overalls and wears them I believe as part of a message it's like you know okay today's a work day I mean I think everything that is done is very symbolic and is very intentional it's not just because you know they don't own a good pair of pants it's a very intentional statement and it seems to be driving some people crazy and I think it would be really interesting to talk uh, to Marie about what what that is like, first of all, what it feels like to go in there every day, knowing that you're under so much scrutiny. And then, um, you know, what it feels like to invite that kind of scrutiny, I guess, and to challenge it. And then also just, you know, how are things going? I mean, I will say that Marie's getting a lot of national attention for sure. I mean, definitely on the national radar and uh, doing some really big things, uh, you know, which for someone as uh, as quiet, as I said, you know, on a personal level, it's it's really exciting to see that. But it, I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, I mean, it would be fascinating just to hear what this whole experience has been like. Yeah, I was, you know, I was wondering what you would ask them specifically, you know. Right. But, yeah. So I, I think that that's worth a, a story to yeah. us. I mean, especially, I mean, just... Being a Democratic lawmaker in Oklahoma already puts you in a minority. Oh, right. Already, I mean. I mean, it's like you're a minority you know, of a minority of a minority yeah. of a minority. You know, it's, you know, when we remember uh, 
Corey Williams was always very vocal. You know, yes. he, he would end up on the national news because he was, you know, one person who in a room full of Republican lawmakers right. would sort of get, get into it and mix it up. I mean, basically and, heckling right. people at press conferences right. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you kind of have to be, you have to be really outspoken. You have to, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to go to the trouble to get elected, to run for office and get elected, then I think you have to be prepared to to stand up and be vocal. But I think also that when you're in that minority party, there's a challenge. And then I think for 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 Maury, it's just a whole other level, you know. And I think probably the national attention it probably doesn't endear them to some of the other people in the chamber. I would bet. But definitely under a lot of scrutiny. And I think it would just be interesting to talk about, you know, what is the, um, you know, what is that like? What has that whole experience been like? And, and what do you hope to accomplish? You know, just forcing people to have the conversation a lot of times, I think, has some value, right? Just having somebody in the room who is not going to let that issue or that group of people be ignored, you know, enforces the conversation where otherwise it would never happen. I think there's a lot of value in that. I, I'm honestly just curious about what democratic leadership in Oklahoma looks like in the future. I mean, I think we've discussed, uh, we haven't seen someone announce really a a gubernatorial run. Um, we know Emily Virgin's going to term out. So, you know, what, what is she going to do? She's the, she's the minority leader right now. Right. So yeah, there's a lot to look into there. Yes, there is. Cool. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I think that would be a fascinating interview. Hey, this is Michelle with just a little program note. On uh, further thought, I felt like that previous section felt a little awkward where we were talking about Maury Turner and different pronouns. One of the things that I felt like it was important to address is that it is awkward. These are awkward conversations. It feels strange when you've known someone a certain way and they indicate that they prefer to be referred to with different pronouns. However, having said that, this is part of just basic respect for people. And I really do truly feel that it's worth it to make the effort to do that and to refer to people in ways that they feel comfortable with. So anyway, just wanted to get that out there. And now back to the rest of in the newsroom. Ashlyn, what, uh, what do you got cooking? What are you, you going to look at in the next couple of weeks? I have a trial in two weeks, but uh, next week... An affidavit where charges were finally filed um, against the suspect from the March armed robbery. It happened, I want to say March 10th, but I could be wrong. Somewhere within the first two weeks of March. um, Around 4.30 in the morning, I woke up to the police scanner talking about an armed robbery with um, suspect running. Officers were, you know, searching all over the place. The victims had to go to the on-queue and, you know, being tired, I typed it into Google maps and was like oh three minutes from my house awesome you know so I drove to on cue and you know there I tried there's victims there and uh the suspect allegedly stole their phone and all kinds of stuff but yeah so I'll have that for next week I've been checking in with police to find out about the case and so it was it that they didn't have a suspect yeah they didn't well okay Glenn Caswell is the name, and that's the name that was given to 
that I heard on the police scanner, but the police were like, hey, um, I don't, they don't know for sure that's a suspect. That's a, a person suspect. of interest. Yeah, that well, that's who was charged. Okay. And so they had the name originally, and I think the victims, because there was two of them, may have known him because they knew his name, but uh, they just, it was under investigation today. I was like, well, I'm going to check up on this case because I, I try to check up on those kind of things weekly because if you let it fall through the cracks, you'll never remember it in two, three months down the road. And so it was under investigation at that time. Uh, and then the other thing is the motorcycle fatality that has been forwarded to the DA's office. So it looks like an investigation was done and the DA now has the opportunity to review to see if charges are filed in mm. that case as well. So those were two of the things that were under investigation that I've kind of had to keep an eye on. Is there so. any news on the Highway 33 wreck that happened over the weekend? Um, No, but... That road is scary. Triple fatality yeah. over the weekend around 1030 uh, Saturday night. And they're still investigating just the circumstances of it, I believe. Yeah. And it's crazy because I was that same place exactly where that wreck happened. I was at um, another wreck probably two months ago in that exact same location. Thankfully, no one died. The cars did catch on fire. But uh, it's like that area is dangerous and a lot of people were calling for you know to widen the roads and it needs to be four lanes and how dangerous it is so a lot of people are concerned about that area and personally I try not to take that area you know I, it is dangerous I almost feel like we probably should sure. look at accident look at statistics I was, and yeah, fatalities I was, on highway I was going to contact OHP next week and see if they had um uh, any information on how many people have been in wrecks on that road and how many have been fatalities, injury, accidents, or collisions and stuff like that. I'll bet ODOT's tracking it. I could look into that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of wrecks over in that area for yeah. sure. Right here. this That's an organic kind of news thing, right? You that's just, how stories yeah, develop. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do, guys. <laughs> That's basically what happens. We'll take a look at that. Um, next uh, next week, I'll probably be able to talk a little bit about a uh, discussion I had, uh, Medicare, managed care, with um, Stillwater Medical CEO Denise Weber. Well, we'll save that for next week. Uh, and that'll be all for us this week. Uh, thank you for joining us in the newsroom. I've been Bo Simmons with Michelle Charles and Ashlyn Huffman. To get in touch with Bo and the team, you can email editor at stwnewspress.com. You'll find links to the social media and any articles mentioned in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time.